Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me, as always, is Jasmine Smith. Jasmine, it's election day. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Robert. How are you? Oh, man. Uh, I had the experience of my kid getting sick and then me getting sick after they got better. So it's been an interesting couple of days. Uh, but we, yeah. we're we struggling, but we're alive. And that's what matters. You know, this is this is what life is. You know, that is. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's let's what are we talking about today? Um, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about uh the late representative Lamine Swan, who passed away over the weekend. We learned about that on Sunday. I just kind of want to talk a little bit about him and um, what his presence in the legislature meant, kind of the person that he was and that kind of stuff. So just wanted to eulogize him just a little bit on the show. We both knew him through the show. And, and, you know, Jasmine, you didn't know him before the show, did you at all? No, yeah. I didn't. I, I, I had known him um, in college, actually. Um, we, we ran on the sta- same student government ticket once. Uh, so, you know, he was a person I was well aware of when I was there in Lexington. And so it's been it's been rough uh, to kind of just experience his, his death and learn about it and, and all that stuff. So I just want to talk about him just a little bit before we really got started with the show. It is election day, as we mentioned, and Jasmine's going to talk to us a little bit about how the two prob- I don't, the two leading candidates, the two uh, most active candidates in the Republican gubernatorial election are kind of uh, wrapping up their campaigns as they rolled into election day today with results coming later. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that and then give our predictions. And then I have a segment about Jason Glass, uh, where which, I mean, he it seems likely that he is leaving Kentucky and he's trying to do it on his own terms. But I'm just going to talk a little bit about what that means and how that came about. And then, then we are going to come back. We are going to stop recording, wait, and then come back several hours later after we have results to talk very briefly, depending on how late it is, about what is going on, what the elections will look like in, uh, in, in the fall, which we will probably know about before the end of the day. So without any further ado, let me talk a little bit about Lamine Swan. So Lamine Swan, um, who is a state representative, um, and he's our friend, former guest on the show, he died Sunday at the age of 45. Uh, Representative Swan represented a district in Lexington. He'd just been elected to his first term in 2022. Um, You know, I guess the thing I really wanted to say about him is that he lived a life dedicated to justice and progress. Every time I saw him and, and every opportunity I had to interact with him. That's what he was working on. That's what he wanted to talk about. And, you know, I'd heard him tell the story several times. And it was on his website talking about advocating with his grandfather at the age of eight in Frankfurt, trying to get the state to recognize Martin Luther King Day. So uh, going all the way back to when he was a child, that is what he was about. Um, if you didn't know, he was a black man who used a wheelchair, uh, that he was a part of the disability community. Um, and his election and service, I, I think the the way I would like to think about it, it was a way for those of us that are engaged in the work of activism to see why we were engaged in that work in the first place. And that how much we stood to gain by making our society more inclusive. Representative Swan did a lot of good work, was an incredibly good person. And, you know, including people that looked like him, that, 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 um, you know, that, that lived a life that he led, uh, you know, we stood to gain so much by including people like him and, and watching, uh, or hearing about his death is really just throw like really just been heartbreaking. In addition to his political work, which a lot of people have been talking about, I thought it was worthwhile mentioning that Lamine Swan was also a designer. He was really passionate about fashion and design. Uh, When we talked to him, he was in his studio, uh, you know, doing working on like clothes and stuff, which was, you know, that's that's another part of the person that he was. Um, He was more than just his representative service and he was more than just an activist. He was a full person. His loss is very tragic and we're going to miss him quite a bit. So, Jasmine, anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, say I I didn't know Lamine until we had him on the show. Uh, but because I didn't know him personally, um, it doesn't mean I hadn't heard of him. I'd, I'd heard his name in Democratic circles for years before talking to him on the show. Um, he was really well known in Democratic politics, um, and a lot of people who worked on campaigns knew him. And um, it's been really cool to see the outpouring of love for him um, in the wake of his death and. Uh, just, you know, what I remember from talking to him is um, how he talked about, you know, how he would advocate for the black community as a legislator and how he would advocate for people with disabilities. Um, and, you know, he certainly um, served 
his district well in his short time in the legislature. I remember he was one of the people who spoke on the floor against anti-trans legislation, um, and he'll certainly be missed. Absolutely. He will be very much missed. Um, yeah, it was was just a really good person, a really wonderful person to be around, a wonderful person to kind of talk to. And, um, you know, the legislature was better for having him in it, and it's it's facing a really huge loss. Um, and we'll learn about what that means politically and for the government in the coming weeks. But right now, we just kind of want to mourn him a little bit. So that is that. Is that. Um, but it is election day. Time moves forward. Um, and so, Jasmine, uh, tell us about how Kelly Craft and Daniel Cameron are trying to land the plane this election day. Yeah, so uh, Kelly, Kelly Craft got some help um, from a big name this past week. So she was joined by Ted Cruz for a rally, which was held at the University Club at Arlington, which is in Richmond. Um, he spoke for about 30 minutes to a crowd of over 200 people. In case anybody what? doesn't know, it's unlikely, but Ted Cruz is a senator, a U.S. senator from Texas uh, and a presidential candidate in 2016. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I assumed if people listen to our show. It's highly th- likely. They'd probably know. The, who the Ted one Cruz person who's is. like, who the heck is Ted Cruz? I just want to make sure I'm, I'm watching out for you, whoever you are. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the context, Robert. <laughs> Uh, Ted Cruz said that Kraft has guts and she's a fighter and he called her a velvet hammer saying that she will smile while she protects the people of Kentucky. Um, He said that she's going to have to have guts to take on the lunatics that are wanting to release criminals and to take on the lunatics that are wanting to brainwash our kids and take on the lunatics that are wanting to mutilate children. Um, so that is, that was something he said. That is in fact what Ted Cruz (laughs) said. Yeah. Just, yeah, this is just really part and parcel for the Kelly craft campaign, right? Yeah, definitely. This is just like exactly what she has been doing and how she's like, these are probably the issues she wants to talk about more than anything else, which sucks, but is what it is. Mm -hmm. Max wise, her running mate also spoke at the rally as did representative bill Wesley, um, who, I think he's also been working on her campaign and has been a big advocate for some of these issues too. And had filed, had sponsored one of these like bathroom bills. Mm. Um, and then Brandon Judd, who's the president of the national border patrol council. That's the union for the border patrol agents, right? I think that that's right. I'm pretty sure. That's I think, right. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, and and Bill Wesley also is the state rep for Richmond, which is likely why the rally was held there. That and also it's very important for the Republican primary. So that's that's another reason it was there. And then I, I wrote this before it happened, um, so I, I hadn't seen any news from it, but um, Vivek Ramaswamy was supposed to be joining Kelly Craft last night for a rally as well. Um, and he is a candidate who is running for president from Cincinnati. Um, and he, his thing is like, he's a business person and he talks about wokeness and he advocates for raising the voting age to 25. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so also he's part of like the anti-woke cause that Kelly Craft has, has taken up as part of her campaign. My my thoughts on Ramaswamy are that like he's just this like gadfly candidate who takes like we always have some of these that are running for president each year, but the fact that this is who they have to put up against Donald Trump like is kind of telling as to what's going on. I don't think he's under any threat to like win the nomination, but the fact that he endorsed Kelly Craft is really notable. I guess he wants to just jump into every race and get his name out there as much as possible. I yeah, I suppose so. Um, and then. Kelly Craft also made an appearance on Fox News last week with Laura Ingram. And I don't think I'm saying this from just like a Democrat perspective, but it, it didn't really go very well. Um, and I, I don't I, I say that because like her team promoted that the appearance was going to happen, but then didn't share the clip and it got shared by like Daniel Cameron's campaign people um laura ingram like 
really like pushed her about like skipping one of the debates for the appearance and then not getting the Trump endorsement. And it, it was kind of a rough couple minutes for Kelly Craft. She does not do well in extemporaneous situations like at all. And yeah, Lauren Ingram was probably the first person in this whole campaign, except for maybe like in the debates with Renee Shaw, where they really pushed her in a situation where she didn't feel comfortable. Like, and, and yeah, this is just like, she would be in, in addition to saying really horrible things, she would also just be a bad governor. <laughs> I think is just worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. I, I saw this clip and thought it looked quite bad for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Craft also got a late endorsement from Ron DeSantis on Monday night. Um, I saw this from an audio clip that was shared by Austin Horn of the Herald Leader. Yep. Uh, so is Ron DeSantis? I mean, that? yeah, I guess I guess DeSantis is in second place behind Trump and really wanted Trump. I guess DeSantis is the second best prize you can get. Yeah. He seems like, like the con- the presidential race is definitely like ongoing and things are happening in the presidential race. It seems like Ron DeSantis is in a worse place than he was like a couple months ago. So if this endorsement had occurred like, I don't know, in March or February, it probably would have meant a lot more. Um, but the fact mm-hmm. that it's coming now so when he's like doing quite poorly uh, is, is probably not as, not as impactful as it could have been. Yeah. And I, and I'm not sure like how much impact it has like, late monday night before the election either so yeah absolutely tough to like you know motivate your people as (laughs) which may exist in kentucky does desantis kentucky for desantis exist yet like i don't know what it looks like uh yeah it doesn't seem like that that would pay many dividends right now yeah so um that's that's what kelly crafts has been up to the last week or so and then as for daniel cameron he had a trump Hella rally, um, which is a, a rally on the phone. Um, and so it this wasn't like video, it wasn't on Zoom or anything, it was just a phone call. Um, and he had Trump on the phone, or at least we can assume that it was Trump. <laughs> Soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh so Trump spent about five minutes or so um giving a speech in support of Cameron on Sunday night. He said that Cameron is best suited to beat Bashir and got more votes than him in 2019. He also said that Daniel Cameron would fire the communist radicals who are trying to destroy Kentucky schools. And he gave a shout out to coal miners. Um, And so it was a it was a pretty short kind of like rambling Trump rally speech. Yeah. Um, Yeah. As they are. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Trump was also just found liable last week in a battery and defamation civil lawsuit. Um, so Daniel Cameron has been asked about that. And his comments were, I appreciate President Trump's endorsement. All I know, it was a civil case, and I think they might be appealing it. But at the end of the day, I'm focused on Kentucky. Um, so If he's so focused on Kentucky, why is he talking about this Trump endorsement so much? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so th- also a new independent poll came out at the the last minute here from Emerson College Polling and Fox 56 Lexington. Um, on Sunday night from a sample of 500 likely GOP voters, 33% said that they would choose Daniel Cameron. 17.6 would vote for Kraft. Um, Ryan Quarles came in third with 13.2%. And then Eric Dieters with 9.7%. Mike Harmon with 4.4%. And Alan Keck with 3.1%. So um, the last poll had everyone like kept their same position Mm -hmm. in the polling but um it had cameron or it had craft only six points behind daniel cameron so this one has him stretching out his lead a little bit um so here we are on election night the polls close in just a couple minutes and so robert you know where do you think we are what what are your predictions for what's going to happen well the the most surprising i mean i don't know if it's the most surprising but something about the poll that has come out is that even as we are here on the 
on the eve on the day of of the election this poll of course came out just a few days before like less than a week before the election when the poll was taken 20 percent of people are undecided there are a lot of undecided uh, right and and i don't know what that means in terms of who they're gonna vote for uh you know daniel cameron has not been trailing in a poll since the start uh of the race he's been he has been in command based on polling for the entire election now the polls could be wrong they are wrong in Kentucky sometimes. You know, they they did kind of clean up their act, and I feel like the 2019 polls are a heck of a lot closer than the, the 2015 polls. And you know, here in the uh, it, during the the, the interim periods, uh, they've gotten uh, they've gotten a lot better ever since they started waiting towards education instead of just for geography. And so I think that 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 really matters. And so the polling is is probably better than it was. Um, we, we all remember 2015, um, being so shocked based on the polling. Right. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's as hard to guess as people are making it out to be. I think likely it's going to go right in the order that the poll, uh, put forward. I think Daniel Cameron's going to win. That's my guess. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, Kelly Craft is going to come in second. the The difference between the two, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, but but and and I also like. I feel like I would I, I would bet on Cameron. Um, and I would bet that they would go one and two. And then after that, I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I I a lot of the people that pay attention to politics really really closely are very bullish on Ryan Corals. I am not. Um, I think he likely will be in third place and will be in third place with by quite a bit and is fighting with Eric Dieters for third place. Um. I think that Eric Dieters is certainly appeals to a certain segment of the Kentucky Republican Party who knows him quite well, and they're going to show up for him. Um, he's probably the person with the most dedicated fans of anybody running in this race. Um, Mike Harmon and Alan Keck are still running. Um, you know, I don't think that they're going to play a, a significant part in the race, and I'm a little surprised they both stuck it out till the end. But, you know, it just that is kind of the way that this race goes. And I feel like those two were not going to endorse either of the top two. Um, I don't think that they're big fans of either of them. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, Jasmine, what do you, what do you think? How, how is this going to shake out in your mind? I think you're right that it is probably going to shake out in the same order as this polling. And maybe and maybe even the margins might be similar. Um I could see Ryan Quarles doing a little bit better than he's polled. Maybe those, some of those undecided votes end up going there. Um, but I do think that Cameron is probably going to win with Kelly Craft coming in second. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's going to be our guess when we come back on in a few hours. We'll have to, you know, see how we did. Uh, and then, yeah, that's I think I'm, I'm with you on on that. Uh, before we s- go to our next topic, though, I'm interested in your thoughts on any of the other races. Let's start by talking a little bit about the secretary of state's race on the Republican side, which is the only one with the primary. Um, do you have do you have any thoughts on on Michael Adams or Stephen Nipper or that other guy that's running? Uh, what do you think is going to happen in that race? I think that Michael Adams is going to win, but I have like oddly seen a lot of Stephen Nipper signs around Louisville, which I know that yard signs don't tell the story. Um, but he, you know, he's he's been running, I guess. <laughs> but I, I think Michael Adams will win. Yeah, I think in the same kind of way that that uh, that. Eric Dieters is very popular among uh, among a certain segment. Like Stephen Nip- Nippert is very much the same sort of popular. Yeah. So he has the most dedicated, you know, the most dedicated fans, and so they're gonna put signs in the yard, right? Yeah. There's there's like a there's this election denier coalition, I, I guess that. Yeah. Uh, I he's think their guy. I agree with you. I think Michael Adams is going to win, but I think it's going to be cl- it's going to be a surprisingly close race. I think people who aren't paying close attention just assume because he's the incumbent running, the one incumbent running, uh, besides Andy Bashir, that he's going to walk with it. And I think it will be closer than people think. Um, and Alan Miracle is not somebody who I, I'm looking at the name. That's somebody who people know about. I, I think though that it's likely Michael Adams. 
Um, moving on, uh, there is another uh, one of these like Liberty Republicans running, and that's in the treasurer's race. And so I'm interested in what you think about that race. Who do you think is going to come out uh, with with the win there? I actually think this race is kind of interesting because there's a third candidate in that race that doesn't have a lot of name recognition, Mark Metcalf. Right. He's the Garrett County attorney, and he's not really well-known outside of Garrett County. But then he spent a lot of his own money doing a bunch of ad buys like towards the end of the race huh. like double of what OJ Oleka spent and way more than what Andrew Cooperwriter spent and so I am interested to see if that like paid off at all for him um but I but I don't know I still don't think he's very well known I I think OJ Oleka might win, but this could be a, a pretty split vote. I agree. Uh, the one thing I remember about Mark Metcalf is that he is the county attorney that Andy Bashir appointed when he was attorney general to investigate Allison Lundergan Grimes. So <laughs> that's how I remember Mark Metcalf. I was like, that name sounds really familiar. When he said Garrett County attorney, I knew that that was exactly what he was. So yes, I think that like a lot of the Republican professionals, the people who talk about politics and think about politics a lot are, are wanting for OJ like to win. He's kind of got the, the, the machine behind him. Um, I don't know if that's going to work out for him because Andrew Cooper writer is like Steven Nipper and is like Eric Dieters in having like that world behind them oj Leka does not have the benefit of incumbency he has not been making news on his own for you know four mm-hmm. years like like steven uh like michael adams has been um and, and so it's it's unlikely that he's gonna have as much name recognition so i think andrew Cooperwriter among the liberty sect is the most likely to come away with a victory here i don't know if it's gonna work out for it, it would be I mean, the Republican Party has the chance and probably actually a pretty good chance of having two black people on their ballot, on their ticket this year, which, I mean, that's something to, to say. That's something to, to point out um, that um, there would be if, if O.J. Leka and Daniel Cameron walk away with a win there. But we'll see if it happens. Um, <laughs> the commissioner of agriculture race, which has been very fun uh, between Richard Heath and Jonathan Schell. Um, who do you think is going to win on the Republican side there? I hadn't really seen anything about this until today. I saw, I guess, like a Jonathan Shell ad calling Richard Heath a, a rhino, a Republican in name only. <laughs> um, which I I thought that Jonathan Shell was like a pretty like moderate Republican and like nah. the, the point. <laughs> Yeah, the point was that he's the true conservative in the race, and I don't know. Um, I think Jonathan Shell is going to win. Richard Heath has tried to run for this office several times, and I think he has some support in the western Western. part of the state, um, but Jonathan Schell um, is a younger candidate who has ran pretty hard, um, and I've seen support for him like throughout different parts of the state from Republicans that I know. So I think he's going to win. Yeah, I, I don't I think it's I think it's likely going to be Jonathan Shell just because he has been on the air more. And I think like among the people who know about Republican politics, they are more in on Jonathan Shell. Poor Richard Heath. Just want, I mean, I, the thing about Richard Heath is like he just I, wants to be the ag commissioner. <laughs> I, I really do think that like his goal is to be the ag commissioner. Like, Jonathan Schell's goal is not to be the ag commissioner. He wants to be, like, U.S. senator. He wants to be in Congress. He wants to be the president, whatever. Like, Richard Heath is like, I want to take care of agriculture in Kentucky. That's what I want to do. And so, like, that, you know, I, I, I'm I, cheering for him to win the Republican primary based on that alone. But I do think the machine behind Jonathan Schell, who is a McConnell protege, um, helped lead the Republican takeover of the House of Representatives back in 2016 uh, before losing a primary uh, to, uh, to Travis Brenda the next ye- the next election um I-, I think likely he's he's gonna he's gonna win that um of course the democratic side is the only uh, for uh, commissioner of agriculture is really the only other contested democratic election besides governor which has minimal opposition sierra inlow and michael malone 
Um, I, the thing that I think about this is that Sierra is actually running. She's, you know, raised some money. She's been working pretty hard. Michael Malone, I think, is just a young person who lives in, like, Winchester or something and uh, has just kind of put his, his name forward. And I don't really know if he's done any, like, formal campaigning. But um, I don't know if Sierra has done much to, like, kind of penetrate uh, into the race too deeply. Um, you know, I don't, I, I have told people that she's running, um, when, when they have asked me, um, but I don't know, Jasmine, what do you think? Who's going to win on the, the democratic side? Well, I thought, I thought you were correct that he hasn't done any campaigning. And then I heard something interesting today on Kentucky sports radio. One of the co-hosts said, I voted for Malone because he's the only person whose signs I saw for that race. Is that something like in like, Glasgow what? or something like that? Or like, I don't no, know. in Lexington. Weird. Well, that's not that far. That's right. Yeah. Uh, weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe he's got some signs in like, Lexington. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be like blown away if he wins this. Um, but I do think Sierra is the most likely winner there. Um, yeah, we, I think so see. too. Um, of course, the only other really contested primary to talk about, we're not going to talk, you, you, what percentage do you think Andy Beshear is going to get? 80? 90? Um, probably like 85. 85? Split 85. the difference there? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, it's maybe it'll be more than 90. I think it's possible yeah, it, it's more than yeah, 90. Yeah, you're right. It could be. It Who could knows? Be 90. He'll, I'll say that, and Jasmine, my, my luck, he'll lose, right? That's the way I usually, my guesses usually work. <laughs> Uh, but okay, the only other real race that that there exists is the auditor on the Republican side, which includes Allison Ball, who's the current uh, treasurer, making the jump to auditor, uh, the only other office that doesn't require any education uh, or <laughs> doesn't require any sort of credentialing to have. Um, and she's running against Derek Petty's. Um, Allison Ball, of course, has the name recognition as having served in elected office statewide for eight years. The Republican Party loves her. I don't know why. She doesn't seem to do anything. Um, but, you know, they do love her. Um, what do you think about this race? Is it just Allison Ball because of name recognition? Or do you think Derek Leonard Petty's has a chance to, to win it? Yeah, I think it will be Allison Ball. She has been on the ballot for two terms now as treasurer so i think she'll win yeah seems likely to me too all right those are our predictions we will we will be back uh in a few hours to discuss how they all shake out so uh before we get to that in the show i did want to talk a little bit about jason glass who is the kentucky commissioner of education uh and he received that role in 2020 Wayne Lewis, of course, resigned in the wake of Andy Bashir's election. There was a whole search that happened, and then Glass was selected to to serve um, as the Kentucky Commissioner of Education. Jason Glass is a native Kentuckian who earned two degrees at UK before getting his doctorate degree in Seton Hall in New Jersey. He left a job running schools in Jefferson County, Colorado, to come home and to be the Commissioner of Education in his home state. Uh, you know, the past year especially with the legislature in session has not been uh, not been fun for Jason Glass. Um, he was the target of a whole lot of conservative ire in the past year. Um, one of the bills that became law is SB 107, which gives the state Senate the authority to confirm the appointment of the commissioner of education, something that in the past had been just the role of the governor. And actually, we used to elect the commissioner of education. We don't, we stopped doing that in the nineties. Um, so, you know, that was a bill that passed, which meant it was highly unlikely that glass was going to be given a, a contract to serve an additional term uh, after his four year contract was up. But then in addition two legislators, Lindsay Titchener in the Senate and Josh Calloway in the house, two of the most conservative people in the entire legislature, they filed resolutions calling for the ouster of glass just to fire him right now. Those didn't get passed, but they were filed. Um, The resolutions that they put forward said that glass has quote advocated, affirmed and elevated the LGBTQIA lifestyle in curriculum unquote. So the core of this is that there is guidance um, which caught the ire of conservatives that encourages but does not require teachers to use the preferred names and pronouns of trans students. Um, Glass didn't promulgate this guidance. He isn't the person who put it in the list for KDE. 
um, but he he did defend it um, multiple times, uh, including in front of the legislature, which caused this significant backlash. We're talking about it because we learned this week that Jason Glass is a finalist for a superintendent job in Baltimore. Glass issued a quote that said that he is honored to serve in his home state and then followed that up by saying, quote, at this point in my career, I am seeking a place where our family can put down roots and where I can have a long term and meaningful impact on an educational system, unquote. So from that quote, it's it's pretty clear that Jason Glass would rather focus on, you know, improving the education standards for children instead of fighting culture wars with conservatives um and you know it's it's hard to say it but maryland is a place where he's going to be able to do that much better much more easily than here in kentucky that is what our, our legislature just wants to fight about cultural issues and doesn't seem to care that much about the type of education our children receive so even if Glass doesn't get that job in Baltimore, it's highly likely that he's going to look for something else. Like he has to get a job, right? And his his contract is going to be up soon and he's not going to get renewed because it has to be approved by the state Senate and seems very unlikely that that's something they want to do. Linda Blackford wrote a column for the Herald Leader that said Kentucky was, quote, lucky to have Jason Glass, but too dumb to keep him, unquote. That's harsher than i would have put it i don't think i would have used that language but you know the core of it is we aren't keeping jason glass around because our leaders decided that he we didn't want him even though he's quite good at his job and has acquitted himself really well in the midst of covid and in the midst of like you know the aftermath of uh, wayne lewis and the politicization of of education and everything else so he's i felt like he's done a really good job um and we we had been kind of moving in the right direction and you know now we're throwing that away because of his want desire to include trans kids in the educational system I think that the GOP would likely say that he's overly political, but I think he's worked really hard to stay out of overly partisan issues until the GOP really started forcing his hand by putting things like CRT and these trans issues into the middle of their agenda. Um, In an article by Olivia Krauth last week, uh, the KDE revised guidance on trans kids and uh, Jason Glass met with Republicans to try to assuage their concerns. Right, he he saw they he, they were going to revise this guidance, and so he went and started talking to Republicans about how the changes were going to be made. Um, Glass and the KDE consented to lots of the changes that the Republicans wanted uh, to try to just smooth things over. But then, um, you know, there was a push by the Senate GOP whip, uh, Mike Wilson, um, that asked him to retract all guidance involving LGBTQ issues, and Glass put his foot down at that point. And and I think rightfully so. Like, you know, at some point you have to. You can consent to all kinds of changes, and it seems like he was willing to try to meet them where they were. Um, but, hey, I'm not going to throw trans kids under the bus. That's that's really commendable uh, on, on his part, um, but it's going to lose him his job. Um, this otherwise non-controversial very effective state superintendent um because of his you know refusal to acquiesce to the demands to you know actively hurt trans kids um is now going to lose his job it's hard to see you know if if jason glass leaves it's really hard to see how this is going to be resolved because andy Bashir is going to be able to nominate and the senate gop is going to be able it's going to have to confirm somebody and and i just don't see andy Bashir putting forward a superintendent or commissioner of education that is willing to throw trans kids under the bus and i don't see the senate gop acquiescing to any candidate who doesn't that's like the core of their agenda and how this is resolved eventually is just i don't know how it's going to go really all in all this is a, a huge tragedy um the 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 political the politicization of of the education system in putting crt and trans kids right in the middle of it when i mean trans kids have always existed we had trans kids when i was in high school and we got along fine um but nowadays it's just i guess conservative rural folks uh or conservative folks across and and uh, lots of parts of the state are um are making that more important to them and that's that's where we're going to end up so jasmine all that about jason glass anything you have to say about it how do you see this winding up in the future yeah i'm just wondering what happens (laughs) when 
someone is nominated and they can't get anyone confirmed is there like a period in which someone has to take the position can it be left vacant like that's what i don't know the answer to do you i think what's likely to happen is that an interim will be named i think the interim gets named by andy Bashir. i do not know how long the interim has to serve or gets to serve uh i mean i don't know if there's like a time in which yeah, that's mm-hmm. the real question. I don't really know the statute off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. And are we going to just be governed by an interim because of the insistence on these issues by the conservatives? And and yeah, I, I mean, this is an issue that's important to a lot of people. It's important to me. Um, and I really hope Andy Bashir doesn't cave on it. Like, I, I really hope he stays strong mm-hmm. and isn't... Um, isn't going to give up on on our trans kids in the face of this. He has the power to do some stuff here. This is like he can he does have some power here. He has less than he had, uh, but he does get to put somebody forward for confirmation. So I, I certainly hope um, that that you know you know I guess I just hope that we we do something. Like I just hope that you know maybe the fever breaks. Maybe if Andy Bashir is reelected by a huge margin, it could happen. Maybe then we we get some. Um, rational heads there in the GOP caucus, but it's, it is just really hard to see, to see it happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it is just like a real shame to see what's happened with Jason glass, because I agree with you. I don't think he politicized this job. I, I think he was just doing his job until he was baited by the GOP and all of these hearings and ask political questions. Um, and, and so, I mean, what is he to do, but, but to go elsewhere. Um, yeah. So it is a shame. Yeah. I mean, the people that want to change the status quo are the Republicans. That's, that's where it is. And so yeah. any, any, any charges of political politicization, I still, I just, I'm not saying that correctly. Any charges about <laughs> that um, should fall on their shoulders. Well, that's it. Um, best of luck to Jason Glass. You know, I, I really commend him for coming home, for trying to do the best uh, for for his his uh, home state. Um, and you know, it's just really such a shame that it's um, it's going to end this way. So, all right, um, let's fast forward a few hours into the future and listen to what we have to say about the results of the election. All right, it is now eight thirty-six, Jasmine. When we uh, when we decided that we were going to do a post-election kind of wrap up, you know, I think the first thing I said was like, you know, it could be like ten, maybe eleven, and you were like, that's too late. There's no way we'll be able to go on that late. And it is eight thirty-seven, and it's been wrapped up for an hour. So uh, this is a this is a very shocking ending to uh the republican primary especially in the governor's race where daniel cameron has a commanding lead over ryan quarles who sits in second place and kelly Kraft with 75 percent of the vote in has less than 17 percent of the vote so just with the top line race the the, the race that everybody is watching most closely i mean shocking results what's your first reaction well yes i did say earlier i was like i'm not d- doing this after 11 i have to go to bed um but we we really should have kept the record button on earlier because after we recorded the show earlier you said i am hearing from people that they think ryan quarles could get second and i was like yeah he really could there's a lot of undecided voters in that poll and i think a lot of them could vote for ryan quarles and so we said that, but we didn't. We didn't say that when we recorded. You're gonna have to take uh, our word for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I did not believe those people, and I thought that that would have been a shocking result. I mean, I'll tell you, I am shocked by this result. Um, she is sitting at third in third place. Eric Dieters in fourth with only six percent. Uh, Mike Harmon and Alan Keck battling, and that's the that's the tightest piece of the race. Is it will Mike Harmon or Alan Keck come in fifth place? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, what does it say? What does it say that Daniel Cameron was able to capitalize? The other story that you said uh, was about a Republican voter that you're close to um, who, you know, you were trying to get to vote for Alan Keck. You said he's the one that makes the most sense. Uh, but that person was like, no, I think I'm going to vote for Daniel Cameron because I just want to make sure that Kelly Craft loses. Do you feel like that that's like a generalized thought, especially in like some urban areas about about Kelly Craft among Republican voters in, in some of those urban counties? 
Yeah, I I think that it could be because Kelly Craft has just come out so I don't know, like wild in this race, like with pretty extreme policies, like taking the most conservative extreme lane in this race that I think some people, Daniel Cameron probably just didn't upset anyone too badly. Yeah. I think that's correct. He kind of, he kind of kept quiet. His, his ads were just kind of like family oriented or faith oriented. And he, he just didn't ruffle too many feathers and set back pretty quietly. I think the only thing that looked negative against him was skipping the KSR debate. Um, Mm -hmm. But obviously that didn't have an impact on him. He, he ran away with it. Um, Yeah. I think, I think I'm a little less shocked than you are about Ryan Quarles coming in second. Um, because I, I said I, I thought that the order would be what the poll showed with Kraft coming in second and Quarles in third, but that he might come in third closer than what that polling showed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is surprising just with how much money she spent. Um, she, ha- she hasn't done well. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know if we're necessarily headed towards a 120-county sweep for Daniel Cameron, but it's going to be... Pre- no, I just clicked on Nicholas County, and it does look like Ryan Quarles won Nicholas County, and I think I did hear that sh- Robertson County, Ryan Quarles also... Yeah, so Ryan Quarles also won in Robertson County with... That's a really small... Yes, he had, he had uh, 55 votes and won 55 to 45 uh oh wow okay that is very close uh 55 to 45 (laughs) uh and then in nicholas county uh ryan corals won with about 150 um anyways 150 total votes so so some of these very small counties uh ryan corals looks like he's the winner in um so it won't be a 120 county sweep but daniel cameron putting up big numbers all over the state um i guess you know we've talked about how weak kelly craft ended up looking do you think that any of that is, Dan- I mean, you, you mentioned like Daniel Cameron not offending anybody, but does this show like strength for Daniel Cameron going into the general election doing this well? Um, I don't know if it shows strength or not. There's strength in being a Republican in a statewide race in Kentucky. <laughs> there definitely is, I, but I, I'm just no wondering, like, ab- above and beyond that, like, there's, I, 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 I think I know, I think I agree with what you're. Well, I'm interpreting what you're trying to say, and if it's what I'm thinking you're trying to say, I agree with you, which is that I think that this race was much more about Kelly Craft not doing as well and her message really not resonating, um, and and I mean, people agreed that she seemed fake, and people thought that. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of moderate Republicans in Kentucky that were really turned off by her message. And, and it does it says more about her that she did so poorly uh, than Daniel Cameron doing this well. Um, and I do think Daniel Cameron is positioned well as a generic Republican in a race against Andy Bashir in Kentucky. Um, but I don't think that there's anything s- specific about him uh, that, that has him with any more strength than a traditional Republican would have in this race in the general election. Uh, is that what you were trying to say? Yeah, that's okay. exactly what I, was, I don't think he came out particularly strong or like set up well. It was just a win. Yeah, because no one else looked particularly strong i think absolutely correct so one other question about this is um you know kelly craft of course had max wise as her running mate ahead of time but daniel cameron didn't have anybody picked who do you think will be daniel cameron's running mate coming out of this election i was trying to think about this and i am just not tapped into republican politics well enough to have any kind of name i don't think but I I think it might be s- someone from out in the state, not from Louisville, um, maybe not from Lexington either. Um, just someone, 
Someone maybe from a more rural part of the state, um, maybe a white man or white woman. You, you want to know who I think would be an interesting pick for him is Max Wise. I wonder if Max Wise would do that. Um, clearly, he was okay being the lieutenant governor under Kelly Craft. Uh, you know, of course, these two camps are going to try to draw themselves closer. A lot of Kelly Craft's camp. Uh, was you know was kind of like Max Wise helping her out, uh, and that could be a way to bridge that divide. I, I don't know. I don't really understand. I don't really know how much bad blood there is between Max Wise and Daniel Cameron. Uh, some of the comments Kelly Craft made, which are, I, I mean, actually, I, I do kind of want to talk about these. This is absolutely insane. Uh, where she had said uh, she was shocked that uh, that she was being attacked by fellow. Republicans, <laughs> which is just very rich given the the race that she ran. Uh, I'm going to try to pull up the the actual quote. Um, but yeah, he I, I think he's going to have to um, he's going to have to try to to bring those craft voters into his camp. Okay, here we go. Got him. Uh, I knew we would be attacked by Democrats, but in a, I never in a million years thought that the attack would come from my opponents to my family. I guess if you're a politician, you're used to that, unquote. So that is Kelly Craft. Uh, wild stuff. Wild stuff, given the teddy bear and everything else. Um, yeah, so so I wonder if going with a Max Wise would help him. I wonder if Max Wise would be interested in doing that. But that checks all the boxes that you laid out there, right? I, I don't know. Um, you know, there's a couple of people. I think, like, I, I do agree with you, though. The first name that I heard floated was Julie Rocky Adams, um, which I don't think would be a good fit because those are both Louisvillians, both kind of like mm-hmm. urban Republicans. I think he needs to go with somebody from northern Kentucky, maybe southeastern Kentucky or western Kentucky or south central Kentucky, which is traditionally a very Republican area. Um, that, there's there's a lot of options he has. Um, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either who it would be. Okay. Anything else about the, the Republican gubernatorial uh, race you want to talk about, Jasmine? Um, just a quote from Daniel Cameron that I thought was really funny in his speech. He said, the Trump culture of winning is alive and well in Kentucky and Trump lost his last election. He sure did. And so I just thought that quote was just absolutely hilarious. You know, Jasmine, not everybody <laughs> thinks he did. Uh, and I don't know. If, I don't know. Like, honestly, that is kind of I don't know if that's what he's getting at. That's kind of scary. I know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that is that is something he said, despite the fact that Donald Trump is not the president. Yeah, um, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I, I see. I, I agree with you. Uh, Andy Bashir sitting pretty with 96% of the vote. Um, yeah, so, you're right. He did get over 90. Yeah. I thought uh, there would be just some like funny business voters, more funny business voters than there were. Yeah, he's he's sitting at like 90% at some of the Western Kentucky counties that have uh, reported already. He's only sitting at 86% in Hopkins County, but that's like the lowest one I've seen so far. Um, yeah, Louisville, which is not fully in yet, um, where Louisville is lacking like 30 precincts. Um, he's at uh, 30, 96%. And Fayette, which is fully in, has him also at 96%. So that's, you know, that's that's Bashir country for sure. Uh, the That's Andy Bashir. Uh, so that's no surprise there. It does appear that Michael Adams has won his Secretary of State primary by a bunch, uh, like 75% to like 20% for Stephen Nipper. Um, I, you know, that's... I, I think we both picked Michael Adams. I'm surprised that's not closer. And I honestly think that portends well for yeah. like Kentucky voters, right? I think that's great news. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, I, and I think that this is also part of a national trend. Um, there was a lot of wondering in the 2022 midterms whether like the election denier caucus across the country would uh, would do well uh, in, in the 2022 midterms. And they really struck out all the way across the country. And this is just another like even in a Republican primary, um, the election denier group is not able to really do that well. Of course, you know, that that's that's uh that's I, I do agree that that's good. Stephen Nipper as the Secretary of State is terrifying to think about, and it does appear that Michael Adams uh, has won that with a significant margin. Uh, Allison Ball also won by a lot over Derek Petty's. Um, I think that's both what we thought would happen. She's much beloved, but I don't know if she's ever uh, gonna move beyond the auditor slash uh, treasurer role that she's found herself uh, f- occupying. Um, uh, anything about that race you want to say? 
Mm-hmm. No, yeah, me either. Um, uh, State Treasurer, um, you, Sage Jasmine, uh, s- mentioned Mark Metcalf uh, coming in late with a big ad buy and, and kind of turned me on. I had thought about this as mostly an OJ Aleka Andrew Cooper writer race, and it does look like Mark Metcalf is going to win this race. I don't know if it's by been, a lot, but is it been fully called? I think uh, it's, it's, yeah. The last time I looked, he had 50%. Yeah, he has 50% in a three way race, um, which, yeah, that's Andrew Cooper writer with le- uh, a little bit less less than 30% in second place and OJ Oleka in third with 20%. Mm-hmm. So that is that is surprising to me. I I, I mean uh I think that maybe just I don't know. I, I don't think OJ Oleka really tried as hard as I thought he would and I thought he would have more support from kind of the uh industrial republican party um and it doesn't seem like he had that kind of support so yeah mark metcalf uh you know i don't really know him but i I did have a couple people send me messages democratic people send me messages saying like this this is a good result because he he's kind of a sane person too um and you know i michael bowman is the democrat running in this race and you know we hope michael wins uh but it is nice to have two like kind of normal people running for that race for sure um Last race to kind of mention in the primary is Sierra Inlow did win over Michael Malone. Looks like about 60-40. Um, so that that's good. Uh, she's a more professional candidate. She's somebody who has been raising money, uh, working to raise money, even if she, you know, I wish that she had been able to pull in more than she did. Um, but, yeah, like, I think she'll be a good candidate in the fall. Probably, I mean, honestly, probably the best um, Democratic candidate for agriculture commissioner in, in decades honestly, which isn't a tough bar to cross. Um, but, but I, I am happy to he- see that she won the democratic primary for agriculture commissioner. Anything you want to say about that race? No, no, I don't have anything to add. Um, one last thing. And that's that Greg Elkins did win the special for uh, state Senate district 28. Um, only did not crack 50% though, um, which was surprising. It was a three way race. Robert Saint, uh, who is the Democrat for that race, I spoke to him um, while he was running. Um, he came in second with 30%. And there was a third person, Richard Henderson, who had been a Democrat in the past. I believe he's actually been in the legislature before running for that seat as an independent. It ended up pulling 20%. So, you know, uh, closer. I honestly think it was closer than I thought it was going to be, especially with Robert Saint running as just a very traditional Democrat, like a, a liberal Democrat running for that seat, um, which encompassed a, a lot of kind of the area in Lexington going all the way kind of towards Red River Gorge. So um, that is a race to talk about. Oh, yeah. And just as an update to the story in the earlier part of the uh, show, it mm-hmm. does look like. Um, it, it does look like Jason Glass is not going to be the commissioner for the Baltimore schools job, but I do think his days here in Kentucky are still numbered. So that yeah. segment's still good, but he is not headed to Maryland. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, the Spurs getting the number one pick in the NBA draft. You want to talk about, I was the- just watching that before <laughs> we hopped on. You want to talk about the Jacksonville mayor's race. You want to talk about, uh, you know, Philadelphia's democratic primary, anything else you want to talk about before we call it a night? You know, I think we've done enough today. All right. Very good. All right, Jasmine. Thanks. Uh, this has been good. And that's all for the show this week. Jasmine, how can people get a hold of us? They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at my old Pod. They can like our Facebook page and listen to our podcast on the podcast app of their choice. We also have a newsletter. You, you can subscribe to it at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. And we have a Patreon page where you can support what we're doing for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that at patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. And last but not least, we're part of the Dimcast Network and the Ford Kentucky Network. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.